Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Glenn is, Glenn is not going to like this. <laughs> Rob Cherry in for Glenn Mack now today with Mike Sealski for a Saturday morning. Mike, how are you? I'm great, Rob. Good to be here with you. It's uh, now we've never worked together, but you've been a guest on shows I've been on. That like, is the correct. Morning show this week. That is correct. There is so much going on right now. It's it's unbelievable. It, it's a great time of year. It really is. Um, you know, college football is starting again. We got the NFL on the horizon. Uh, the Phillies are treating September so far like they've treated the last few Septembers. It's uh, it's pretty cool. That's what I wanted to start with is the Phillies because what, what it was scary what happened last night. You know, you look, going into that road trip that they're on now on the West Coast, Glenn and I had talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You say to yourself, okay, they've, they've basically got a month where they're not going to face a team that's over 500. Except for the Braves at some point. Right, yeah. in the middle of September. So you're going to, you should be able to solidify yourself in the playoff race, maybe put some distance between yourself and the San Diego Padres, kind of solidify that second wild card, maybe even chase the Braves if you have delusions of grandeur. And you lose two out of three to the Diamondbacks. You come into San Francisco and get blown out 13-1. to And this is three out of the last four games that they've surrendered double-digit runs. This is insane. And their starting pitching has been brutal. So here's how last night went for me. I'm not sure how it went for you. Uh, There was a riveting tennis match between Serena Williams and uh, what was her opponent's name? Ilja Izla Tomjanovic. At this point, it doesn't matter who it is because (laughs) everybody's rooting against her. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for whoever's playing them, but but I think they're even rooting for Serena. I I heard somebody describe uh, the last two matches that Serena played. Anytime one of her opponents would get a point, there was a golf clap in yeah. in Arthur Ashe Stadium, and that's true. I mean, the the crowds were so partisan for Serena, and understandably so. It's probably the last time she'll play in the U.S. Open. She's nearing retirement. The sentiment is there, and that's the way that crowd at that event acts. We've seen it in the past with Jimmy Connors and other people like. If that. you walk out of the room, which I did several times during there, it was a long. It was like what, th- close to three hours. I yeah. think. You walk out of the room, you hear applause, wild applause. You know that Serena won. If you hear. You know, the golf clap, it's the exactly. other girl wins a point. Uh, and, you know, everybody was acknowledging how great she is and mm-hmm. appreciates her greatness, even those who are tired. I mean, when somebody wins a lot, at times you get tired. It's like, well, let's get somebody new in here, Yeah, no and, matter who it is. Yeah, that's true. But the, the flip side of that is that the line and winner coming back to make a charge yes. late in his or her yes. career is one of the most compelling stories in sports. 
you know, the idea of Tom Brady, I know he's a villain around here, I get that. But to have him win another Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, there's something interesting and dramatic yeah. about that. It's a story It's a story that everybody sort of can relate to. It's like, mm-hmm. well, this, this person was supposed to be washed up, supposed to retire, whatever, and they're still out there doing what they're doing. Th- there's a reason that Top Gun Maverick has made a bazillion dollars <laughs> in, th- in theaters this summer. Part of it is be- for that reason. I think it's Tom Cruise and the character, like, he's old, is he still an ace kind of thing. And if you've seen that movie, it's a very dramatic storyline. I think we, as a society, kind of like that narrative. No, I didn't see every second of the match, but I understand Ben Simmons' picture came up on the uh, video board, big board. The, the, apparently the only booze that have taken place <laughs> in the entire they know? tournament. You know, it didn't take him long up there in Brooklyn to uh, kind of reveal what we had seen in Philadelphia since his time uh, joining the Sixers. They asked him to play in game four. Are you ready? And he said no. 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 Didn't even want to be on their uh, little uh, team meeting or whatever. It's funny. I'll, I'll listen sometimes to people on TV, you know, national NBA coverage, whether it's ESPN or Fox Sports, things like that. And, and you hear people say things like, well, if, you know, look at the Nets. If, if you have Kevin Durant and if Kyrie Irving gets his head right and if Ben Simmons is there, Ben Simmons isn't going to have to take any jump shots if you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It's kind of like, you know, at some point, folks, you have to evaluate <laughs> what you're seeing regularly from this team and and the idea that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a team to be reckoned with just strikes me as kind of you know pie in the sky ridiculous thing doesn't Ben Simmons still have a high ceiling if he ever devotes himself to learning how to shoot or practicing shooting I don't know Rob I really don't I mean in theory yes but he he hasn't done it yet I mean but he's only 26 years old yeah I mean but but everybody knew this thing about him and has known this thing about him for years I can remember talking to his father before game six of the Sixers Raptors series back in 2019 at the Wells Fargo Center and I asked Dave Simmons point blank what about the fact that Ben won't shoot and his father said don't worry about it he's 22 he's 23 he's young just enjoy it it's such an honor that he gets to to guard Kawhi Leonard in this series and I was kind of like okay uh, I guess and He's made no progress, and if anything, regressed since then. And Kawhi Leonard hit that shot over Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah, and Joel Embiid. So it's, yeah, here we are. Well, the most damning thing I ever heard him say, and it was, I think there were only a few reporters around, uh, I don't know if it was a practice or whatever, but they asked him what if he needed to work on his shooting in the offseason, whatever, something like that. And his response was, I'm an all-star. Yeah, yeah, that's our friend Jack McCaffrey from the yeah. Delco Times. I'm an all-star yeah. is his response to, you need to work on my shooting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, he's he's... He's a different cat in that, you know, I, th- I think he's, and I actually wrote a, a column about this in the Inquirer a couple of weeks ago. Like, he's, he's a case study in, like, there were red flags all over the place with him, but it became conventional wisdom to think, well, they either they don't matter or they won't matter, and here's why he should be the first pick in the draft. And it became very easy to overlook the fact that, for instance, LSU took a step backward with him from the previous season or that he would score a lot of points and collect a lot of rebounds and LSU would still lose Uh, or that in Australia he wasn't playing against a really high level of competition compared to say the AAU and high school and college teams that kids who were born and grow up in the States do. So 
you know, you get this kind of collective narrative of, well, he's going to be the first pick in the draft because everybody says he's going to be the first pick in the draft and that he should be. And then you end up with these weaknesses that never get corrected. And only in hindsight can you look back and say, oh, well, we should have seen this coming. Well, who knew that his work ethic would be like, I'll work on everything else, but I won't work on this. Right. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it was the one thing. And, and, you know, you wonder about him from that mental health standpoint. I know we're all skeptical and rightly so uh, of it. But there's clearly something there where he does not want to shoot the ball. And that's, and that's a, a mental health thing. Yeah. That's a mental, that's something that's mental if you're yeah. not it's, wanting to it's, shoot. It's Steve Sachs' disease of, yeah. of basketball. Which very few people, and we've seen it with guys shooting free throws. Right. We generally don't see it with guys shooting jump shots. Right. Yeah, that's 100% right. But, I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's, it's anybody, any layperson watching a basketball game can see Ben Simmons and see his speed, see the way he handles the ball, see the way he passes the ball, and say, boy, if he only shot, took, would shoot the ball, imagine the player he would be. And that's what I think at its core frustrated so many people during his tenure here was you can see how great he will become, could become, and it's, he's not tapping into that, and he seemingly just refuses to do so. He has four superior skills. It's mm-hmm. the fifth that he just doesn't, yep. doesn't want to work yeah, on. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. All right, so anyway, so he gets booed at the Open. The Open ends, and I don't know, but I stayed around for the interviews mm. because I wanted to hear what Serena had to say. I actually wanted to hear what her opponent had to say about Serena mm-hmm. because it was so fascinating. I, I didn't stay for the I – was, uh, I was, I'm down the shore this weekend yeah. in Sea Isle City. My, my kids were in bed. I needed to get, get to bed. <laughs> but So I didn't stay for the interviews. Were they compelling? Yeah, I mean Serena to me at, at this point of her career or at the end of her career, just to hear what they ha- what an athlete has to say about the end, mm-hmm. and and hear her thank all these different yeah. people. It's just and you've never seen uh, you haven't seen the uh, the movie about uh, King Richard. No, I haven't. Which was a fascinating movie. Mm-hmm. Just to to hear like the end of her career uh, to me, it's like it's a historical thing. Yeah, the, the one thing I did hear her say was that um she thanked Venus for her role yes. in Serena's success, which was really touching to me you know that i have two sons and and i want them to be close i want them to be best friends and the fact that serena and venus seem to have that relationship which is not necessarily an easy thing given that serena the younger sister eclipsed the older sister as a player um that 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 touched me to hear her say that yeah it was it was a very touching and she obviously was serena was emotional but then they go to venus and she's not i'm like well there's got to be a reason behind that Mm. Maybe she just knows the cameras are on her yeah, and she's yeah. trying not to take from her sister's moment. That could be. Um, so anyway, so that ends and the Phillies game is on. Mm. So and, and it's on Apple TV, which is not the easiest thing to find. No. Not, uh, no. You, have to have, you have to either have Apple TV, have to have a laptop or Mac or whatever. So I turn that on and it's 4 nothing already. Ooh. And then it's 7 nothing. Jock Peterson hits a three-run homer. And then yeah. it's like, what the hell is going on with this team? Yeah. Pitching, pitching, pitching. And the irony of this is that People seem to think, and justifiably so, that that would be a strength for the Phillies coming down the stretch. Starting but pitching. Starting pitching. You had Wheeler and Nola. And Suarez. And, and Rangers uh, been a solid number three starter. And Dave Dombrowski had fortified the bullpen. He had gone out and gotten David Robertson. And you thought, okay, he got Noah Syndergaard, you know, who, who may or may not start a game in the playoffs, assuming the Phillies get there. But at least he can help you get there every fifth or sixth day. And he looked solid, except for the last game. He's looked solid in all of his starts. Yeah. Um, and now they've, they've just hit this patch, you know, the first two games of the Diamondback series and, and last night against the Giants where 
it might as well be slow pitch softball out there. It's it is scary. So is this the beginning of the end, or was last night confirmation that you know this is it? <sighs> this is where they're headed right now. We're going to get another September where we're disappointed. I think everybody is, you know cynical about this and justifiably so the Phillies have not been good the last three or four Septembers you know you go back to 2018 when the guy who beat them last night Gabe Kapler was their manager they were like 14 games over 500 in the summer and then by September it was starting to fall apart yeah it really was and um they were what 14 and 16 I think in September and October last year um got swept by the Braves in that critical series where even though Bryce Harper was rightly the MVP, he didn't hit in that one series, and it, and it kind of hurt a little bit. Not to take anything away from the season he had, but you know that was the most important series of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fair to to say to the Phillies, you got to show us, guys. You know, yeah, a number of you haven't been here the last few years, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, guys like that, but the, the most most of you have, and it's time to play like you're in a pennant race and it doesn't bother you it seems to something seems to happen to this team come september right, you mentioned bryce harper i believe they were 32 and 20 or 33 and something like that when when he was out mm-hmm. they're supposed to get better when he comes back <laughs> what, what i mean seriously yeah. what, what's happened well castellanos missed a couple games with turf toe uh and look bryce harper can go up there and go four for four every night if you're if your pitchers are going to give up 13 runs each night you're going to have a hard time winning games. Um, so Rob Thompson said after last night's game, you know, this is a blip. This is, we will get out of this. This is just one of those stretches in a baseball season where things go haywire and they'll eventually stabilize themselves again. Maybe he's right, but I can understand the anxiety that Phillies fans are feeling right now because it looks like at least after last night, oh my gosh, it's September and here we go again. All right, I got to ask you about the pitching. Aaron Nola, um, obviously his last start was hideous. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about September with it. Last year, it seemed like it was all throughout the season. Sprinkled throughout the season, he had games like that where he melted down. Is this it? Is this what he is now? Look, there's an argument to be made that Aaron Nola is underrated. If you look at the totality of his career with the Phillies, uh, that the number of in- innings he pitches, his, his ERA, his walks and hits per innings pitched, you know, the numbers that really count for a starting pitcher, generally compared to two other starters in the National League, he's really, really good. But there's also no denying the fact that he has not pitched like an ace at any time during September when the team has been in contention. So, it, again, I would say the same thing about Nola that I say about the Phillies as a whole. It is on him and them to prove to the people who follow them that they are ready for prime time. And his last start brings all those questions back up. They just It just does. Right, the baseball draft began in 1965. Mm-hmm. Since then, the two best pitchers they've drafted, starting pitchers they've drafted, are Cole Hamels and Aaron Nola. There you go. In s- how many years? Is that, 57 years? Yeah. Those are the two best pitchers they've drafted. Yeah. Why can't this team draft, pit- draft pitchers? I mean, look at their history. They They – have precious few periods where they draft well at all. You right. had, you know, the late 60s into the early 70s with Paul Owens and, you know, where they draft Schmidt and they get Boa. Boa you know, yeah, the, that young core. And then you have the Mike Arbuckle era, um, you know, where he's leading the scouting staff and they're able to draft, you know, they draft Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard and Hamels and you get Ryan Madsen and you find Carlos Ruiz and before you know it, you're 
celebrating a World Series and five straight division titles. And it's been pretty barren, all things considered, since then. And look, Rob, this is a team that this season, a franchise, won its 10,000th game in its history. And they've got over 11,000 losses. They lost their 10,000th game 15 years ago. We celebrated that. (laughs) (laughs) And that was before they won a World Series, before they got good. Yeah. Really good. 2007, they lost their 10,000th game. So... The Phillies are what they are. I, look, I grew up as a kid loving them. Um, I've covered them for a long time. Not as much the last couple of years, but um, there's a reason why people kind of look to the sky every September for the anvil that's going to fall on their head. And there's a lot of history in that regard, and uh, I'm sure people are feeling it this morning, too. My childhood as well, 1964, when they collapsed in late September. All right, so the last question I have about the Phillies is why has an attendance match the way they've played this season? Is it because Phil's fans are skeptics and waiting for the sky to fall in and waiting for them to actually prove themselves? I think that's part of it. Glenn and I have have batted this around a bit the last couple of weeks. Um, I think that's part of it. I think at least this past week, speaking as as a parent, my two kids were starting school again, so getting them to, you know, activities and stuff outside of, um, Anything related to school was not a high priority. Um, if the Phillies had been in town, I wouldn't have taken them to you know anywhere, let alone a, a Phillies game. I think cost is an issue. Um, I saw a, a report a couple of weeks ago from a, a tech reporting firm that ranked the average cost of a family of four to go to a Major League Baseball game based on the, the stadium and the team that you'd go to see. And the Phillies were kind of in the middle of the pack, but it was more than $200. For the, between right. the tickets and parking and food and drinks and all of that stuff. so, And I do think your point is is well taken, that there's skepticism. It is, okay, you know, we're, we're not quite there yet. Um, and, and the final wild card, I think, is that the re, one of the big reasons that the 07 to 2011 teams were loved as much as they were was that their very best players were homegrown players. And Bryce Harper, people love him, but he's not a homegrown Philly. They didn't watch him grow up, so to speak. And I think that in baseball, that matters. I think it does. So the fact that he's from Washington, even though Washington won a championship after he left, the fact that we hated him for a while, we can't, because Pete Rose came here in 1979, I guess it was. And look, we hated him as a Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dykstra came here yeah. and loved him as a Philly. Loved both these guys as a Philly. There's no love. And he got a standing O his first, his first mm-hmm. week here. And yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying people don't love Bryce Harper. I'm just saying that 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 uh, th- those teams, the two Phillies teams that won championships, the '80 team and the and the 2008 team, people could grow up with those right, teams right. in a way that they haven't been able to with these teams now. The Phillies went just basically went out and said, "We're going to spend a lot of money and get some guys who can hit," and Zach Wheeler, and that's what they've done. And if I'm not saying that if they get to the playoffs, people won't be excited and and all of that. But I am saying that there's something different about a team where you can watch, ooh, who's this kid Ryan Howard? He's been hitting home runs in the minor leagues, and now he's up here. Chase Utley was the first-round pick, and oh my gosh, his first major league hit is a grand slam. There's something kind of magical and sentimental about having a team that's great built around guys who you saw come up when they were young. Yet we loved Jim Tomey right away. Oh, yeah. People love Jim Tomey right yep. away. Yeah, well, it was hard ethic. not to. A really good guy. Yeah, really and good work guy. ethic and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, we'll get to a lot of we'll get some Phillies conversation going. When we come back. Also, we're going to talk some Eagles and throw some things about it, the Eagles who Sounds start good. in eight days. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, a week from tomorrow. In Detroit. And there's, obviously there's questions about the Eagles, but there's a lot of answers as well. Yeah, there yeah. are. I think they should be pretty good. All right, Rob Cherry in for Glenn Mack now with Mike Sealski. WIP Sports Time is 1020. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.